Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, and you are listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, where our mission is to educate, encourage, and equip Christian healthcare professionals like you to glorify God. Well, February is Black History Month, and I'm joined today by Mr. Ryan Bomberger. He co-founded the Radiance Foundation. It's a ministry that focuses on creating culture that believes that every human life has purpose. Ryan has such a powerful personal story to share about the importance of human dignity. Some of you actually may recognize his voice as he appears frequently as a guest on the World and Everything in It podcast, and he's usually talking about cultural worldview issues. Well, we've invited Ryan to be our special guest at the upcoming 2023 CMDA National Convention. So today we're going to talk about a number of issues, and he's going to be giving us a brief preview of what he'll be sharing during the convention at the Freedom Center in downtown Cincinnati on the morning of April 29th. Well, let's listen in, and I know that you will be inspired by his testimony. Well, today on CMDA Matters, I have a very special guest, an upcoming speaker at our CMDA National Convention in Cincinnati uh, at the end of April, and that's Mr. Ryan Bomberger. He is an Emmy Award-winning creative professional, an international public speaker. He's a columnist, a factivist, first time I've heard that word, and an author of the powerful book, Not Equal, Civil Rights Gone Wrong. He's also co-founder with his wife, I believe, of the Radiance Foundation, which is a life-affirming organization that illuminates that every human life has purpose. Awesome. Ryan has a rather unique perspective of the innate nature of purpose. He's one of 10 kids who were adopted and loved in a most diverse family of 15. And today, as an adoptee and adoptive father, he is passionate about addressing culture-shifting issues from a fact-based and hope-filled, as well as, we love to hear this, biblically sound perspective. So the Radiance Foundation's work has uh, been covered by all sorts of media. Long list, I won't give it all to you, but I'm, I'm surprised uh, in, in some ways, given how Ryan approaches many of the topics and agrees with us at CMDA, but even including MSNBC and Newsweek, CNN, as well as some of the conservative news outlets that we're all familiar with. He and his wife, Bethany, after founding Radiance Foundation, they do extensive research and creatively present challenging social issues through ad campaigns, multimedia talks, fearless journalism, and compassionate community outreaches. He has been at Harvard, Princeton, Columbia Law School, University of Notre Dame, a long list. So without any further ado, uh, Ryan Bomberger, thank you for joining us today on CMDA Matters. It's great to be here with you. Well, many of our listeners, like me, may never have heard, unfortunately, of the Radiance Foundation or Ryan Bomberger. I wasn't either until I read your book, uh, Not Equal. So tell our listeners what we need to know about who Ryan Bomberger is and the Radiance Foundation. I am a child of God, first and foremost, and he created me to create. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a creative professional. I worked in the ad agency world for about 13 years. i married to my best friend, Bethany Bomberger, who's the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation. And we love the calling on our lives. And part of that calling, part of the DNA of the Radiance Foundation are our own personal stories. 
I grew up in a f- small family, 15. I have six brothers, six sisters, 10 of us were adopted. Wow. And so I'm particularly passionate about adoption. I'm pa- very passionate about defending the most marginalized because I am that exceptions case. I am literally the 1% that's used 100% of the time to justify abortion. And so because of the courageous decision of my birth mom, she chose life. She gave me the incredible gift of adoption. I grew up adopted and loved. So when people ask who is Ryan Baumberger, that's who I am. And now I'm you know, happily married to, to Bethany. We have four kiddos, two of whom were also adopted. And we started the Raiden's Foundation about 14 years ago to creatively illuminate how every human life has God-given purpose, planned, unplanned, able, or disabled. So that many years ago, you started the foundation, but how long before that, Ryan, did you, was there a voice inside your heart and head that said, I'm going to be a spokesperson to protect life and to talk about my own life story out there, maybe even around the world? When did that happen? I would say that happened when I was 13. My mom and I were having a let me call it a discussion. (laughs) I was a pretty headstrong kid, very stubborn kid. So my discussions usually ended up into arguments, but I was, I was a handful, but in that conversation, she was trying to figure out why I was so angry. I displayed a lot of anger when I was a kid and she was trying to understand what that came from. And she had said, you know, must've come from your biological father. They were trying for years to figure out where this anger was coming from. So in that conversation is when (laughs) my whole origin story was rewritten because I didn't understand, although she had tried, my parents had tried for years to explain my actual origin story. I didn't understand what rape meant. Mm -hmm. And so at 13, I understood what it meant. And that was devastating, but it didn't destroy me because I was loved by my parents. And because of that foundation, I didn't, you know, just, I didn't spiral out of control. In fact, I had an opportunity just weeks later to do a persuasion speech in eighth grade in public school. And what did I do it on? I did it on the issue of abortion. And for the first time ever sharing with my friends and with my teacher, how I came to be. And I saw the way that the class reacted. And I knew at that moment that I had a story that I had to tell. Granted, it would take years for God to to formulate exactly how that would happen on a large scale, but I saw the reactions, I saw the tears, I, <laughs> I understood how my friends saw me in a different way. And I was this living testament to a courageous birth mom, to loving parents who brought in children and didn't focus on you know, how they came to be, but focused on who we were meant to be. So you mentioned quite frequently, even so far in this conversation, your courageous birth mom. Have you had a chance to to meet your mom? And what have you learned subsequently, uh, whether or not you've met her, about women who have been raped and who've kept their babies? I have not met my birth mom. And I'd searched for her years ago. In fact, Back in 2005, I had looked for my birth mom and it came up negative, meaning that there was no, uh, there was no response. So being the creative that I am, I tried to figure out how do I thank her. And so I wrote a song called Meant to Be, which really is just a tribute to not just my birth mom, but to all these birth moms who go through these horrific circumstances. Uh-huh, yes. And and what I find as, some, as a public speaker, I've met rape survivors, many, many. And I was actually shocked myself to to understand that there's a common thread that runs through all of them. Those who chose to parent, 
those who chose adoption and those who chose abortion. And that common thread that I've heard expressed by so many mothers through the, the violent act of rape is that the child is the only redemptive part of it. And I actually found this kind of surprising, especially from post-abortive women, but that has been the most common expression from rape survivors. And we work with a number of them. And it's really, for me, it's kind of a window into who my birth mom could have been. And I've met many birth moms and after events, I've had a number of them come up just to say, can I hug you? And for me, it almost feels like it's my birth mom hugging me and they will say things. <laughs> in fact, in a recent event, the birth mom that I spoke to, she said, I know, I know that your birth mom would be proud of the man that you've become. Oh, wow. And so I, I find that I mean, a lot of people don't realize that there are 42% of women who conceive and rape and become pregnant, that they they don't choose abortion. In fact, that percentage is probably higher because that's an old study done actually. It's, it's the one most cited, but that's higher now, I believe, because of the pregnancy centers, because of people who can speak life and hope, and because of those who say, that there's a far better solution to the violence of rape than the violence of abortion. So would you say that you you and the Radiance Foundation spend uh, the Yaoman share of your time on sanctity of life issues and uh, promoting life, protecting the unborn? Is that, certainly through your book, uh, not, not equal, that is the recurrent theme. And by the way, your graphics, uh, you use those so well in your book, uh, very creative. Thank you. I, I love creating. I just thank God for the the divine downloads because that's that's what they are. I love creating stuff that's fearless, factual, and freeing. And it's really just for me. It's it's an act of worship. Just creating this content. Our, our focus has to be on life because life is the first right. Without life, nothing else matters. And that's definitely a, a focus point of Radiance Foundation. But we also address a myriad of culture shaping issues because they're all kind of inextricably tied anyway, uh, core identity issues. And we talk about abortion, we talk about adoption, fatherlessness, poverty, racism, gender, this gender radicalism that is happening, free speech, religious liberty, basically the war on common sense. And we address these, these issues and we counter all this cultural noise. And we're motivated by love. First Corinthians 13, 6 says, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And that's what motivates us to create all this content to try to break through all the noise in our culture today. Well, you talked about fighting racism. And one of the latter chapters in your book uh, was a bit of an eye-opener for this uh, physician who was racing through undergrad to get to medical school and didn't have time for that all that much American literature. And um, your chapter was focused, uh, well, the, the title was Be an Uncle Tom for Life. And uh, with a picture there of Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, Life Among the Lowly. So you mentioned that people say, well, you're just an Uncle Tom. And your, your response is, well, thank you. Explain for us all uh, Uncle Tom and, and why you don't mind being called an Uncle Tom. Yeah, it's so interesting how much history gets perverted. You know, I spoke at University of, I speak at a lot of colleges, but this one instance, I spoke at the University of Louisville and a professor who happened to be a, a black woman stood up immediately and called me Uncle Clarence at first. And then she proceeded as she kept on uh, rambling, calling me an Uncle Tom. And I stopped and I said, you know, that's really interesting. I said, I wonder, have you actually read Uncle Tom's Cabin? Because you're <laughs> calling me someone who was willing to give up his life so that others could be set free. And you think that's a put down? I'm an Uncle Tom for life. 
And that's kind of where that came from because it's, I've been called that by so, I mean, some in the media, I mean, some colleagues actually, and not pro-life colleagues, of course, (laughs) but in, in other areas where I've worked. And I'm thinking, this is so crazy, but it's because people don't understand. One, they've obviously not read the book. And two, they don't understand that self-sacrifice is the higher virtue. We live in a culture that is all about sacrifice, but it's about the sacrifice of others, but not actually being willing to literally give your life so that shackles can fall off of someone else. So that's why it's not a pejorative. It's not a put down. It's only considered that by those who are completely ignorant about that, you know, history shaping novel. And I'm, I thank God for Harriet Beecher Stowe. And by the way, she was a white woman. Should she have just sat down or sat back and be, and been quiet? You know, because she's not black, she can't speak in this situation, situation, which is the nonsense that we hear today. Thank heaven she spoke into and wrote into the situation because it caused a seismic change. Well, I was going through your bio as we got started, and some of those places, whether they're media outlets or locations, often uh, pro-lifers aren't allowed. Is is it because of your unique story, uh, because of what you have to share, that you've been allowed to write editorials and to those mainstream media outlets that generally are not favorably receiving a message like you have? Right. And it's a shame. I mean, you can't tell via audio, but I'm half white, half black. And apparently I'm allowed to say things that other people aren't, which is ridiculous. And it actually reminds me of my childhood hero, Frederick Douglass, who at the time, just like mainstream media wasn't telling about the the truth about slavery. So Harriet Beecher Stowe had to speak into it. Well, the same way, you know, former slave and abolitionist Frederick Douglass, the same way spoke into this void that was created by mainstream media that had no interest in actual journalism. And so, you know, he, he, on his paper called The North Star, which he started and he created, and he just just kept speaking truth in so many powerful ways. Probably the most eloquent, you know, orator and the most eloquent champion for human rights, and maybe maybe even American history. But the the ta- the on the masthead of the North Star, it says, "Right is of no sex, truth is of no color. God is the Father of us all. We are all brethren." Oh my word, if a former slave can say those words, yes. why in the world today do we still think that you can only speak a subjective, a worldly sort of truth, I'm putting that in quotes, if you're the right gender or you're the right color? That's nonsense. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter what gender, doesn't matter what color. Truth, you know, there's not my truth, there's not your truth, there's just the truth. But I do, I am grateful that I'm able to go into you know, different types of events and be able to speak these things. But I want to encourage people speak the truth, regardless of, of the response that you get. Don't allow someone to silence you because they want to gender shame you or <laughs> shame you because of the color, the beautiful color of your skin, whatever that hue may be. Well, Ryan, I'm glad you brought up the Frederick Douglass quote because I was uh, I was looking at your website and it's February and we're so delighted that you joined us and as our episode program to recognize Black History Month. And as I was on your website, I saw a tweet that you had posted in which you said, history is powerful. We're not meant to live in it, but to learn from it. And those lessons we glean from our past can enable us all to move unshackled into a hopeful and freer future. 
And then you mentioned that there are five lessons that you think just the mainstream media is not going to talk about that we can focus on for Black History Month. You also, incidentally, gave me some—I always love history. Maybe it's, again, because I flew through pre-med and didn't get enough of it. And you mentioned that it was actually Gerald Ford, who officially a Republican, who first recognized Black History Month. A Republican? You don't say. I mean, I mean— the, the most demonized party, it's so ridiculous to me. The party actually of Lincoln. I love how all these Democrat, you know, candidates for presidency or Democrat legislators are always invoking Lincoln and pretending that he was part of the Democratic Party. He wasn't. He was a Republican. But yes, it was Republican Gerald Ford who actually made that proclamation for Negro History Week, which is what it was called, and then becoming Black History Month. And the same thing with Women's History Month, by the way, too. It was made possible by, drumroll, Republicans. But that being said, there are so many lessons that that mainstream media isn't interested in, in conveying. So I, I guess in this article, I just touch on some of them. And for me, they're like the top five. And the first one, I talk about how every person is a human. Every human is a person. And what we've seen in our history is when we get that wrong, everything goes wrong. I mean, you can't look at human history and ever see a situation where one group of human humans gets to decide that the value of another group of humans is less than human. It never goes well. You never see any kind of positive outcome to that. So that's one of the first lessons. The second one is that we're stronger than our circumstances. And you look at American history. And by the way, don't be duped by the 1619 Project, which is basically a pits. It's an us versus them sort of narrative, and I hate that. Slavery was overcome by a coalition of believers, white and black, Jim Crow and the civil rights era, and that fight for human dignity took a coalition of white and black. So we're stronger than our circumstances and not just our own strength. It's a Philippians 4.13 sort of strength. Mm -hmm. It says, you know, I can do all things, not just some things, but all things through Christ who strengthens me. The third point is we are one human race. My goodness, why can't we get this into our heads and our hearts? It is so, it has never benefited humankind to have this false construct of race. Mm -hmm. It started off in racism. It was scientific racism, you know, um, by Carl Linnaeus, who was a taxonomist. He's the one who created the, he's credited with creating these different groups. And of course, with that, he, he separated into groups, but then he added his little subjective pejorative, like for instance, he called Africans calm and lazy. You know, uh, okay, thank you. But at least, you know, Europeans were all hopeful Europeans. I mean, it started in racism and it only served to divide. So we are one human race. That's Acts 17, 26. The fourth point, evil flourishes when the church is silent. Oh my gosh. And it continues to flourish. The church is silent about abortion. The church is often silent about this gender radicalism that's denying the very, I mean, before God created family, he created male and female. And the fact that we are denying that anytime we de deny our actual design, it always leads to destruction. And the last point is forgiveness is better than revenge. And we live in a day and age where critical race theorists, or I would like to call them critical race evangelists, are all about the unforgiveness. They want to continue to live in the discord of the past. And that's no way to live. And it's so antithetical to Christianity. So I reject that nonsense, the critical race theory, critical theory, gender queer theory, the anti-racism movement, which is rooted in all of that. That never moves us forward. 
it keeps us in these different camps, oppressed and oppressor. And I'm half white and half black. So I guess I'm in both camps. I'm <laughs> yeah, both the oppressed yeah, yeah. and the oppressor. And that's no way to live. That's not love. And so those are just some of the lessons that we can learn from Black History Month, ones that you definitely won't hear from mainstream media. Well, in that last point uh, in your in your blog, forgiveness is better than revenge. I love the quote that you give that faith-filled forgiveness trumps fiction-filled uh, friction. Um, yeah, who wrote that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds pretty good, huh? Yeah, I, I uh, like it. <laughs> well, you're going to be speaking, and we're grateful that you're going to be speaking at our upcoming CMDA National Convention. There's actually, we're going to have a breakfast uh, early on Saturday morning, April 29th, at a wonderful location, the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center, which uh, I was there a few years ago to check out the site and the convention center. And it is right across the Ohio River, the final point uh, where slaves were in that underground railroad and finally escaped if they could cross the Ohio River. So it's there. There's a continuous flame. Have you been there before, uh, Ryan? I have actually years ago um, with Reverend Arnold Colbreth and Brad Mattis of Life Issues Institute. Just such a powerful experience. It's great to be reminded of where we've come from and how much God has enabled so much change and liberation and triumph to happen. And reconciliation, which is yes. a, a big word that you really believe in. So just without giving away too much, a uh, uh, little trailer, what are you going to focus on? I, you've got a couple of other sessions there, I believe, at the National Convention, some breakout sessions. But for the breakfast, what are you going to focus on? Well, I think it's important just to share my story because to understand why I'm even speaking about any particular issue is to get a little bit of my background. So I'll go a little more deeply into just my experience with adoption and the parents that I that I have been blessed with, Andrea and Henry Bomberger. And so I know I'm going to love talking about that aspect and going deep into that. And so part of it too is just the the beginnings of the Radiance Foundation and the <laughs> Just the craziness that kind of led to it. And it's amazing because on paper, none of it made sense. But when my my wife and I started it, we had no money. We knew nobody, but we knew that we were called to do what we were called to do. And so I'm going to touch on that. So the, the presentation there, I think it's called The Beauty of Possibility. And the possibility that I'm referring to is a divine possibility that all of us are, are infused with from actually even before conception, because God knew us before we were conceived. So that's what I'm going to be talking about at the breakfast. I'm going to be talking extensively in a session about adopted and loved, which is one of our initiatives, but it's also one of our most powerful presentations where we just go into a lot of the particulars about adoption. We are, you know, we dismantle all kinds of myths about adoption. We we talk about you know, just what's happening right now with the attacks on faith-based adoption agencies. And then of course, with every presentation, we're always, we're leaving people with hope. And that's important because it's easy to get bogged down and weighed down by just the heaviness of so much brokenness around us. And the third presentation, I'm talking about courage. And this is important because this is what hope inspires and it inspires courage. In fact, it's called, So What If You're Hated? Remember in scripture where Jesus said, hey, guess what? The world's going to hate you. Why? Because they hated me first. So yeah. it's not a surprise. John 15. It's, yes. Yes. So I'm going to go into that and go into some of these, these examples of where 
you know, God's people were hated for so many different reasons. And then to see the triumph that resulted because someone chose not to give into fear. And so I'm really excited about all these presentations and they're all multimedia presentations because I, I get bored easily. <laughs> so I like to present things in a visual way. And I, and I'm a sound designer for years, used to work in radio and I love just trying to to capture our heart through the Radiance Foundation in these images, in these sounds, and just praying that that people are moved and encouraged to take this from beyond that conference and just, you know, shift culture wherever they are. Well, I want our listeners, if you haven't signed up yet for the National Convention, uh, we'll have some links certainly on the, today's program, the website for you to be able to figure out how to register. And you know, Ryan, the other, we didn't intend it to be this way, but God has his ways uh, providentially. The, another speaker at the National Convention this year is Katie Faust of Them Before Us and uh, she, uh, the International Global Protect Children's Movement. And she also does a lot of talking about adoption and has been with me on the program. And so your story, what you're sharing will dovetail so nicely with uh, with Katie's challenge to put the needs and the rights of children ahead of the needs and desires actually of adults. Oh, exactly. And Katie's fierce. She's awesome. <laughs> we love her. She is such a champion for children, just an incredibly powerful advocate for parental rights. And we're fighting that battle too. By the way, we live in Loudoun County. This is where we're based. So we're dealing with all this insanity, with the whole, you know, all these efforts to sever students from parents. It's actually in our backyard. And so we deal with this in a way as, you know, writers and creatives, we, we've come up with a book, for instance, that we just released called She Is She, which is crazy that, that the title itself apparently is controversial, <laughs> but it shouldn't be. And the book is, it's a beautifully illustrated children's book and it's age appropriate, by the way, because we know, you know, our public schools are pumping all kinds of toxicity into our children. This is not, this is just a beautifully illustrated book that just celebrates, you know, undeniable, biological, beautiful her. And so we decided to use pronouns in this book. And that's how it kind of started. Like, okay, let's use a book. Um, let's write a book and just use these pronouns. So it starts off, she is she. She is not he. She is not we. She is she. And so this book not only is great for children two to eight, but there's all there are also two sections. One says, what does the Bible say? And gives some some points from from scripture. And then the other section says, what does science say? I'm telling you, it, the response has been incredible. There's so many parents, so many adults who in a way kind of feel like they just have to be quiet about all this because everybody else is accepting it. Well, no, everyone else is not accepting this. I mean, the, in order to accept this culture of of you know LGBTQ you know IA worldview, you have to actually deny basic science. We have to mangle our language, and not just mangle our language. We actually have to support the mutilation of children. So, she is she is our foray into talking about really tough issues. Just go to sheisshe.com. And what we don't have in the book, because we want to make sure it's age appropriate for children, but what we do have on the website are deeper resources. For any parent, educator, adult who wants to go deeper with a teen, go deeper with an adult to actually explore, okay, what does all this mean? How do we frame this? How do we talk about this? How do we deal with this? There are great resources at sheisshe.com. 
Well, God had some very special purposes for your life, uh, Ryan Bomberger, and thank you for joining us today. And I, again, I, I'm excited to get to meet you in person and to hear from you at that breakfast. It is uh, going to be limited seating at the breakfast, so if you've already registered for the National Convention, be looking for the resource that we will have with this program on how you can sign up. Uh, it is a ticketed event to come and hear Ryan and his multimedia presentation, powerful testimony. Thank you, Ryan, and to your wife for what you do with the Radiance Foundation and how you're impacting our culture. And let's not succumb, uh, friends who are listening, to what I've heard John Stone Street, who, by the way, has invited uh, Ryan to come to Indianapolis for the Wilberforce weekend uh, in May. I hope to hear you there as well, uh, attending that uh, conference. But let's not succumb to what he calls the inevitability hypothesis, that somehow our culture is going to win. We're just doomed to failure. So thank you for your voice. And thank you. You, you, choo- you have chosen a scripture that has been one I have repeated over and over on CMDA Matters from Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, when you said the church has been silent. And uh, King Lemuel's mom said, Ryan, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure yes. justice for those being crushed. God bless you, Ryan, uh, for what you and your wife are doing with Radiance Foundation. God bless you. Thanks so much. After spending just a few minutes talking with Ryan, I am so impressed by the work that he is doing through the Radiance Foundation, along with his wife, Bethany. Their focus on affirming that every human life has God-given purpose, I think it's exactly what compelled us to bring him on the podcast. And his personal story about his birth mother and his adoption, they're so captivating. You heard him share so powerfully that we are created with irreplaceable, intrinsic value by our God. If you'd like more information about Ryan and the Radiance Foundation, just check out their website by going to radiancefoundation.org. If you'd like to hear more from Ryan, well, now is the time to register for the 2023 CMDA National Convention. We've invited Ryan to join us for a very special breakfast event at the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, on Saturday, April 29th. If you've never been to this museum before, it's located just steps away from the Ohio River and is a powerful experience. This special breakfast event with Ryan is a ticketed event with limited seating. So you'll wanna register soon and reserve your spot. First, if you haven't already done so, you'll want to register for the National Convention by visiting natcon, N-A-T-C-O-N, dot C-M-D-A dot org. And then, once you've registered for the convention, you will have the opportunity to purchase your tickets for the breakfast event at the Freedom Center. I am very much looking forward to this event, and I can't wait to see you there, friends. For more information, be sure to visit natcon.cmda.org. By the way, if you are attending the convention, you'll want to make sure that you have access to the CMDA Go app. That's going to be a central hub for all the things that you need to know about the convention during the convention. And here's more information for you about the app. Have you downloaded the CMDA Go app? If you haven't, then now is your chance. In the CMDA Go app, You can set up your personal CMDA profile, renew your membership, make your dues payments, check out the latest news from CMDA, listen to CMDA Matters and other podcasts, 
access a variety of downloadable resources, interact with other members through the discussion forums, and join group chats. For more information, visit cmda.org app. And be sure to visit your device's app store to download it today. Ryan Bomberger's willingness to engage and have conversations on the hard topic of reconciliation, it reminded me about CMDA's Red Committee, which is a subcommittee of our CMDA Board of Trustees. The Red, or RRED, committee was launched with the purpose of guiding us toward a biblical response by CMDA, as well as the wider body of Christ, as it pertains to the issues of racism, with reconciliation, equality, and diversity, especially as those issues intersect with healthcare and healthcare professionals. Just as Ryan was sharing with us, God calls us to have hard conversations and to focus on finding reconciliation as we seek to grow the kingdom of God. If you want more information about the Red Committee and want to get involved, just visit cmda.org racism. Our conversation today also brought to my mind a book that we have available for you in the CMDA bookstore. If you'd like to take an in-depth look at justice from a biblical lens, I hope you'll check out Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, 12 Questions Christians Should Be Asking About Social Justice, written by Professor Thaddeus Williams. Thaddeus draws from a diverse range of theologians, sociologists, artists, and activists, and he makes the case that we must be discerning if we are to truly execute justice as Scripture commands. You know, not everything called social justice today is compatible with a biblical vision of a better world. The Bible offers hopeful and distinctive answers to deep questions of worship and community, salvation and knowledge that ought to mark a uniquely Christian pursuit of justice. Topics addressed by Professor Williams' book include racism, sexuality, socialism, culture war, abortion, tribalism, critical theory, as well as identity politics. This particular book offers a clear challenge to us as readers to discover what the Bible and the example of Jesus have to teach us about justice. You know, this book has meant a lot to our board. In fact, our chairman, Dr. Lyle Whitman, purchased a copy of this book for every single one of our trustees last year. You can purchase your copy today in the CMDA bookstore by going to cmda.org bookstore. Are you ready to live missionally as a healthcare student, trainee, or professional? Registration is now open for Remedy 23, Healthcare on Mission, which will be held on February 24th and 25th at California Baptist University and on April 14th and 15th at Liberty University. Missional living in healthcare has always involved swimming upstream, but it seems to be getting harder. Our culture, workplaces, and institutions are not as friendly to faith as they once were. Living on mission for Jesus and setting biblical principles as our true north can be hard. Remedy 23 will challenge you to grow in your understanding of what missional living looks like. For some, missional living will ultimately involve a plane ride to move to a far-off place for long-term service. For others, missional living happens in our own communities 
institutions, and workplaces here in the U.S. What does it look like for you? Join us for Remedy 23 and find out. For more information and to register, visit cmda.org remedy. Looking forward to next week, we will be hearing from Dr. Daryl Bach. If his name sounds familiar, it's because he's been on the podcast before as my guest. And he's been involved really at the heart of several webinars we've hosted over the last couple of years in partnership with Dallas Theological Seminary. Dr. Bach is one of the premier voices in cultural engagement today for the Church of Jesus Christ in America. And I'm thrilled that he made time for us on CMDA Matters. Hey, don't forget, if you want to suggest a future guest for the podcast, you can email us by using cmdamatters at cmda.org. And if you like our podcast, be sure to give us that five-star rating and share us on your favorite social media platform. I want to close with this statement that Ryan shared just a few minutes ago. He said, speak the truth regardless of the response that you get. Don't allow someone to silence you. Might I suggest that as we engage the culture around us this week, as we take care of patients and practice in healthcare, let's follow the admonition of John, the beloved apostle. He tells us in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Friends around the globe today, let us speak truth and act in love regardless of any response we may receive or lack thereof. Let's not allow anyone to silence truth that God and his word affirms as truth. And as we demonstrate love to patients and their families, to staff and coworkers, and speak truth as we act in love, we will bring the hope and healing of Christ to our world. That's what matters to CMDA, and CMDA matters. God bless you this week. We'll see you with Dr. Bach next week. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.